This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening in today, as always, on Green Living Ideas, Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly, Editor-in-Chief. And today, I'm happy to have with me as my guest on the program, Shelley Simmons, who is the Values Director for The Body Shop. Shelley, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Sean. So I know The Body Shop from, uh, it tends to be the place that I do this last-minute Christmas rush when I'm in the mall. I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to get something for my mother-in-law. And I get something. So I end up in your shop, and I, you know, as a guy, I don't, you know, I have to admit, that I, I don't do that kind of shopping a lot, but but I always enjoy the experience, and I was interested to learn of the company's focus on sustainability and environmental responsibility and things like that. So could you maybe tell us a little bit about the background of the company and, and your background as well? Yeah, sure. Um, the Body Shop is 30 years old. Um, we've been in the U.S. region for about 18 years now. Um, we started in as one store in a, a small town in the U.K. called Brighton, um, and we were founded by an amazing woman called Anita Roddick, who started the company because she'd watched her grandmother um, as, a, as a child making her own recipes for beauty products. So she'd do things like paint on stockings, on her legs with gravy, use coal for eyeliner, etc. Um, and I think Anita was infused with a kind of philosophy of um, reuse and recycle because her family had lived through World War II where, you know, everything was um, quite sparse and, and you had to make the most of what you had. So I think when she came to start the body shop, she very much took that philosophy and, and brought that into the store. Um, the green uh, that we use in our stores, you know, that we're now so famous for, actually came about because of a, a need to disguise damp patches on, on the first store. It wasn't really about our green foundations, but it does absolutely represent who we are as a, a company today. And, you know, we're a company that started with 25 handmade products, and uh, now we're a global company in uh, more than 50 countries across the world. So how does, how does as the values director for the company, how does that continue on to this day from its underpinnings and its roots? And, and in what ways is, is the body shop both, I guess, inter- internally as a company as well as externally continuing to sort of espouse those, those sort of values? I think our environmental commitments are absolutely um, integral to the business. I mean, we work very hard uh, to live up to our environmental and ethical commitments generally. Um, and we have a structure in place um, as a global business, um, but also within each of our, our countries where we operate, that makes sure that we do live up to those commitments. Um, you know, we're not claiming to be perfect, and I think we would always strive to improve what we're doing. But, you know, uh, when I look at us as a business, I think there's so much that we do um, that, that is still pioneering and, and trailblazing. Um, you know, in, in our global headquarters, for example, we have um, an entire team dedicated to the delivery of our values, and, and one of our key values is protect our planet. 
Um, you know, and that's whether, you know, that's whether we, how we do our business, so how we run our stores, how we operate as a business, um, you know, our commitment to our uh, against animal testing policy, our environmental performance, but also campaigns that we run. So, you know, we, we, we run a campaign um, in the U.S. with the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. We also work with the MTV uh, Staying Alive Foundation on HIV and AIDS. Um, you know, I really don't know of any other global business that, that has a department dedicated to making sure that we, we live up to our values in, in the way that we do. How long have you been involved in, the, in those programs and when did that sort of uh, that start up? Um, I've been with the Body Shop more than six years. Um, so, uh, but the, the values of the company have, um, they've been there from the outset and they absolutely come from our founder, um, Anita Roddick. Um, she was a great traveler before she started the body shop and she met many indigenous um, communities. She was very inspired by their use of natural ingredients and, you know, their ability to um, make and respect um, the natural environment that, that was around them, but also to make use of the ingredients within those environments. So if you look at the products that we sell in our store, um, you know, you'll find them packed with, with sustainable natural ingredients. Um, and that runs throughout, as I say, throughout our whole business. So we have a program called Community Trade, which is the body shop's um, commitment to fair trade. Um, even the suppliers that we take on through our fair trade program have to live up to um, our environmental standards. So the ingredients that they supply us with have to be sustainable. Um, <clears throat> and in many cases, they will be organic as well. Um, but we would never work with a supplier who um, was, was doing something detrimental to the environment. So how does the, how does the uh, community <clears throat> trade program differ from fair trade, or is it, is it sort of more stringent, or is it, uh, you know, why, why not just go with sort of the fair trade logo in that program? Why, why create your it, own program? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Um, community trade, um, we're celebrating 20 years of community trade this year. Um, and when we started it, um, fair trade was really a fledgling um, movement. It was very much in the grassroots arena. Um, and I don't think anybody, you know, understood it in the way that we understand it as a mainstream concept today. Um, for us, um, when we started it, again, Anita was inspired by what she saw happening in that movement, um, but she felt that we could do it with a difference. Um, we work really closely with the fair trade organizations because we, we absolutely love what they do. Um, I would say the difference between us and um, maybe some other retailers who may use a fair trade ingredient is that we have direct relationships with the suppliers that we, um, we we get our ingredients from. So, again, we have a, a department within the business that's absolutely dedicated to the relationship with those community trade suppliers, and they'll talk to them on a regular basis. They'll visit them. Um, we know what they're doing. We know how they're developing their business, and it's very inspiring for us to have that direct relationship because we can see, you know, some of our community trade suppliers, our first community trade supplier, we've now been with for 20 years. Um, Teddy Exports in India and we've seen them um, grow from a very small um, base to more than 300 workers they've set up schools they've set up medical centers 
um, it's really built an entire community. And, and I think that direct relationship is very important because, you know, as a global business, we've been able to, to help them along the way with advice and, and, and guidance. So it's very much about direct relationships, which is why we call it community trade. It's really our relationship with those communities. And it's, I think it's important to point out during this conversation, too, that a lot of, uh, just for our, our listeners who are listening in today, um, that a lot of you know, the fair trade movement, uh, although not exclusively, has to do with the ability to make a living wage for those who are in uh, countries, especially when they're in maybe countries that are in more impoverished or third world countries, um, you know, or just places where workers may be exploited in some cases to ensure that they're making a fair living wage. That's absolutely right. And um, <clears throat> the, 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 the premise of um, what we do in the fair trade movement trade movement does is that you know it's it's a price based on um, a living wage and production costs it's not based on market prices which means that we're providing you know predictability um, to that community they know that they're going to get the same price from us um, regardless of how the market fluctuates and that's that predictability is is the is so important because it gives them the ability to plan for the future and to build their business around um, knowing what income they have coming in. Um, and we've seen that we have over 20 suppliers now from Guatemala to Zambia. Um, and with all of them, you know, what we see is that they, um, you know, they are able to, to to take the funds that we, you know, the, the trade that we um, we give them and really build their future. And, you know, for some of them, it's been amazing. There's um, a cooperative in uh, Ghana called Kwapa Coco, um, and we've been trading with them for about 10 years now, and they supply us with our cocoa butter. When we started our relationship with them, um, because it's cocoa, obviously cocoa is used in chocolate, um, and we helped them um, start up a chocolate company, a fair trade chocolate company, um, which is now extremely successful in the UK and has just launched in the US called Divine Chocolate. Um, and last year, we actually handed back our share in the company to the farmers in Ghana um, so that they could you know, have a greater share um, in the business because it's now so sustainable and it's, it's doing so well. Huh. You know, that's a really, it's a, it's a, you know, it makes us very proud and it makes our staff very proud that, you know, we're part of that because, you know, it's, it's a very powerful illustration of what fair trade can do. So it's yeah, it's just interesting that you can incubate along the way, especially when you're a major force in the market. You have this ability, you have this power as a corporation to to you know do whatever you want. You can you know do good or do nothing or you know do bad things. And so it's it's always inspiring to hear a story like that where you can sort of incubate these other businesses and, and help them along at the same time. Absolutely, and you know one of the fundamental philosophies of of Anita Roddick is that you know, business should be a force for positive change. You know, you sh of course, the bottom line is important, but if you can make a difference along the way, then that is incredibly powerful. Um, and if you can do it, then why on earth wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I wish everybody thought that way, but certainly more people than ever before are thinking that way, yeah. and for that, I'm, I'm very thankful. Absolutely. Go, going out into an area that I, I admit being a complete neophyte into the uh, products themselves, and I think it, it certainly we would be remiss in not covering you know product-specific questions for our audience out there that are purchasers of um, you know body and bath products and <laughs> cosmetics and such. What are some of the things to be uh, looking for and looking to avoid with regards to products? And you 
you can pick any area because I realize it's it's wide from shampoos to <laughs> tea tree sure. oil to what have you. So sure. I mean, I think it's you know I think it's looking um, at the products. I think you know again though it does go back to looking at the company and how they're you know how they're sort of being socially responsible as well. Um, something that we um, are introducing um, into our product ranges um, increasingly is um, uh, preservative-free um, ranges. So, for example, last year we launched, we relaunched our aloe um, range, which we've, we've had for many, many years. Um, but through our community trade um, program, we managed to find um, an amazing source of aloe um, in Guatemala, um, which has a, a process um, whereby it's, it's converted to powder, um, it's a very, very pure source of aloe because it's taken from the center of the leaf where the gel sits rather than taking the entire leaf. Um, so it's very pure, um, which means that it, it actually doesn't need preservatives. Um, so it's an amazing range um, that, that's um, been extremely successful for us since we've launched because it, it, you know, it gives consumers the opportunity to, to, you know, to have a choice. And if they want to go for a product that is, you know, preservative-free, fragrance-free, color-free, then they have that choice in our stores. Um, and it, it is, um, you know, a, a miracle ingredient, and it's also incredibly sustainable. I um, I went to Guatemala about 18 months ago for um, to, to visit the, the fair trade supplier, the community trade supplier, and um, aloe grows in a region of Guatemala where nothing else grows. Huh. Um, <laughs> you can't, um, you know, you can't grow crops, you can't grow anything really except aloe. Um, so it's amazing to be able to source this really high-grade quality, um, you know, plant um, and benefit a community as well because at the end of the day, the customers benefit because they get a great quality um, product, but our suppliers benefit as well because they get a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is amazing to see these plants grow. They grow absolutely everywhere. So they're in fields, they're in the front of people's houses, they're in the back of people's houses. <laughs> aloe amazing. everywhere. It is. It's, it, it is an aloe festival, definitely. <laughs> um, but great to see. And great to see that they've been able to, to turn it into something that, that, that is a viable business for them as well. I understand uh, while we're on the topic of ingredients in, in these products uh, that the body shop was involved uh, from a news item I read um, in the first sustainable palm oil uh, involved with the first sustainable palm oil um, in, 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 the, in the cosmetics industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious like, kind of what led to taking that step and what that's about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's been um, a really big achievement for us and we're again we're you know we're really pleased to be able to share that with our customers um we've actually been working on um moving towards sustainable palm oil for um a, a number of years now it goes back um probably around four years um where you know we we, we were talking to various organizations like the world wildlife fund and, and friends of the earth um, and it, it was clear that palm oil was a, a huge issue in that it was causing, you know, terrible deforestation in, in certain parts of the world, particularly in Asia. So that's the background premise here is that typically palm oil production is, is fraught with those kinds of risks and those kinds of practices. It, ha- it, it has been to date, yes. So um, huge areas of forest would be cleared 
in order to um, to grow palm oil, which you know the, the palm trees grow pretty quickly, and then you can you know take your crops. And um, the problem is that it, it then means that you, you do get terrible deforestation, which could lead to um, you know the endangering of, of certain species like uh, the orangutan. Um, there's also a broader issue in terms of human rights, um, in that quite often the working conditions for the for the workers themselves would not live up to international standards too. Um, the problem with with palm oil is that it, it's quite often bought through commodity markets, so it's very difficult to trace where your source is actually coming from. Um, so we've been working with a number of um, organisations for, for some time to, to see how we could tackle it. Um, and uh, last year we were able to find um, a wonderful um, family um, organization in Colombia um, called Dabon who grow um, palm oil but in a sustainable way so they're not clearing forests to make way for the palm trees um, they're not exploiting people um, it's very transparent we buy from them directly so we know um, the source of where we're getting our palm oil from um, so it's been a major breakthrough for us and we've been working with the uh, round table on sustainable palm oil um, which is an international organization made up of other retailers um, and other campaigning organizations that, that really want to tackle this issue. Um, and the um, Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil are actually introducing um, certified standards um, for sustainable palm oil um, later this year. Um, but because we've been working so closely with them, we've actually been able to um, get ourselves in a position where we could, you know, actually start work with Dabon and really get this into our supply chain as quickly as possible, which has a huge impact. I mean, it's um, we make 14.5 million bars of soap a year, um, which means that now those 14.5 million bars of soap from June this year uh, will be made with sustainable palm oil. Um, so that's, you know, it's a great it's a impact, impact on the environment. Yeah. Um, and um, I think you know, a, a big achievement in that it was something that looked like an insurmountable problem. Um, but by seeing organizations coming together, um, you know, it's the, it's the power of, of the group, isn't it? I think yeah, if you, as an individual, it's very difficult to, to do something. But if you come together with the right partners, you know, anything is possible. Are you seeing um, other vendors uh, uh, starting to fall in line with that? Yeah, I mean, the organization's grown. Um, when we when the uh, roundtable on sustainable palm oil began, um, there were just 10 organizations. You know, now there's something like 250 organizations that are signed up to um, work towards moving into sustainable palm oil. So that's in a very short space of time. Um, and really just by, you know, a few thought leaders beginning to, to, to lead the way. Um, so it's great news, great news for the environment, and I think great news for the consumer as well, who yeah. can make a choice um, over where they want to, you know, to buy their, their um, you know, products. Absolutely. Well, what, one other component-related question, and I hope you don't mind me asking about this. It's a little bit technical, but it's also in the news right now, so mm. I thought you'd be the person to ask. 
there has been for a very long time conventional wisdom about um, an ingredient called sodium laureth sulfate or mm. sodium laurel ether sulfate, SLES. Mm-hmm. And, and for, for many years now, it's been uh, considered a, a known carcinogen. Um, and it just recently, I mean, within the last, I think it's been within the last month or two months that, that the Cosmetic Toiletry and Fragrance Association, CTFA, and the American Cancer Society have stated that that common belief that it's a carcinogen is actually an urban legend. Mm. But then, then right after that, the Environmental Working Group came out and put this report out saying, no, it, it may be contaminated with something called 1,4-dioxane and, you know, that, that, um, that that's, you know, that's a probable carcinogen. And so there's, all this, there's a lot of confusion right now because everybody's sort of relaxed. And in fact, on a podcast recently, I was talking to somebody on this topic where we was pretty much like, oh, we were like, oh, haha, you know, that, that was an urban legend. But now, now we're starting to say, well, gee, which way does it fall? Has, are you dealing with that? Is that an ingredient in any of your products or do you have a corporate position on that? Uh, to be honest with you, I can't comment on that um, particular ingredient. But what I can say is that, um, you know, we see um, reports um, you know, develop all the time and new research um, studies come out all the, all the time on a number of different ingredients. Um, and what we do as a business is we, we watch that very closely and we work with um, independent advisors um, to really establish, you know, if there is, if there is a, a real concern around um, an ingredient. Um, I think, that, you know, quite often there are studies that, you know, continually contradict each other, so it's very difficult. <laughs> so especially to get when to the they're vendor-backed in some way. Yeah, yeah um, but, I mean, you know, we have taken, we have taken a stand against um, certain ingredients, so things like phthalates um, mm-hmm. we re- we've removed from our products. And we did that as a precautionary approach because I think the jury is still out on phthalates. But, um, you know, there was a growing um, consumer concern. Um, There were conflicting research studies out there. So our team very much um, look at, you know, what's emerging, what can we do about it? Because at the end of the day, if the consumer is concerned about it, then we should be concerned about it. So um, that's really the approach that we take. And I think, you know, you look at, um, I think the the other thing I'd say about our products is if you look at, um, you know, you may just think that we develop products on the basis of, uh, you know, people need a new shower gel or a new body butter. But actually, when we look at the products that we develop, we really do look at what else benefits? So obviously, the the performance of the product is absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, we look at how we can make that product have an added benefit. So, for example, with aloe, you know, we were able to to de- develop it without preservatives. We were able to develop it as a suitable for sensitive skin. Um, for our hair care range, it, each product includes a community trade ingredient. So. Therefore, you know, our community trade suppliers will benefit. Um, Our against animal testing policy, you know, ensures that that none of our products, um, you know, are tested on animals um, for for the the benefit of the product. So, you know, it's all of those things. We we look at the whole picture. We look at how we can deliver something to the consumer that, you know, has a great performance, but actually what else does it do that adds, adds value? Well, my guest today has been Shelley Simmons, who is the Values Director of The Body Shop. Shelley, we certainly appreciate you coming on the program today and sharing the information and the background and and history, uh, both in the industry and with The Body Shop itself. Great. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. 
Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Okay. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.